Lord, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? Amen. It's kind of weird. It's like empty over here, and it's so full over here. <laughs> Amen. We're going to be reading today from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, and then 17 through 22. Amen. You can read along with me on the screen as Sister Carly puts it up. Starting in verse number 1, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were man or woman, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord answered, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And then dropping down to verse 17, it says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And we had, when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the, the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the, Druze, the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. For a little bit today, I'd like to preach from this subject, changing your reputation. You may be seated. i like to start off this message by telling you a story. It's a story of a man that lived during the time of the Nazi party. Let's see if any of you guys that are history buffs here can figure out who it is before I finish. He was born on April 28, 1908. He was a German industrialist and a member of the Nazi party. He grew up in, I apologize, there's a lot of German words in here. I'm not, I don't read German, but... He grew up in Slitavi, Morvia, and worked in several trades until he joined the Abwehr, the military intelligence service of Nazi Germany, in 1936. He joined the Nazi party in 1939. Prior to the German occupation of Czechoslovakia, in 1938, he collected information on railways and troop movements for the German government. He was arrested for espionage by the Czechoslovak government but was released under the terms of the Munich Agreement in 1938. 
He continued to collect information for the Nazis working in Poland in 1939 before the invasion of Poland at the start of World War II. In 1939, he acquired an enamelware factory in Krokow, Poland, which employed at the factory's peak in 1944 about 1,750 workers, of whom 1,000 were Jews. His avoir connections helped him protect the Jewish workers from deportation and death in the Nazi concentration camps. As time went on, he had to give Nazi officials even larger bribes and gifts of luxury items obtainable only on the black market to keep his workers safe. By July 1944, Germany was losing the war. The SS began closing down the, east the easternmost concentration camps and deporting the remaining prisoners westward. Many were murdered in Alcatraz or Auschwitz and the Gen the Gross Rosen concentration camp. This man convinced an SS official named Goth, commanded of the nearby Krokow Plosensauf concentration camp, to allow him to move his factory to Brennick in the protection of Bohemia and Morvia, thus sparing his workers from almost certain death in the gas chambers. Using names provided by Jewish ghetto police, Officer Marcel Goldberg, Gauls secretary, Mitek Pemper, complied and typed the list of 1,200 Jews who traveled to Brunsau in October 1944. He continued to bribe SS officials to prevent the execution of his workers until the end of World War II in Europe in May 1945, by which time he had spent his entire fortune on bribes and black, black market purchases of supplies for his workers. So can anyone guess who this person is? Schindler, correct. His name was Oscar Schindler, and he is renowned as one of the greatest heroes of World War II. But he is so much more than that. He's not just a hero. He was a man that was able to completely change his reputation. He was part of the Nazi party. That's, I mean, that's pretty bad to be a part of the Nazi party. He was basically a spy for them, but at some point, something happened where he had a change of heart, and instead of supporting the Nazi party which, and what it stood for, which in part was the death of the Jews, he risked his life, his family, and his finances in order to save as many Jews as he could. I'm sure there were times where he was in fear for his life because of the risk he was taking. We read that he had to bribe the Nazi officials in order to keep the fact that he was using mostly Jews in the factory quiet. That in of itself is already a great thing that he was saving those Jews from being sent to a concentration camp. But then he went on even one step further and he tried to save them from being killed. He chose to risk everything and move the factory to a place where the workers would be safe from harm. Truly, this man Schindler changed his reputation from that of a faithful Nazi official and became a great man that saved 1,200 lives. Which brings us to the story that we read in Acts, which is about Saul. We know that up to this point, Saul was not a very good man. Yes, he was doing what he thought was right, but what he was doing was still wrong. We read in the end of chapter 7 that Saul was present at the stoning of Stephen. In the first three verses of chapter 8, we read that Saul was consenting of his death. He was okay with the killing of Stephen because there was at that time a great persecution against the church. 
We read on in verse 3 that Saul was making a havoc of the church, entering every house, taking the men and women out of their homes, and committing them to prison. So you can imagine the reputation that Saul had been building for himself. I'm sure that the people of the church were beginning to fear even just the name Saul, much less the person. And this is where we find Saul in chapter 9. The first two verses in the New Living Translation says, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. It is at this point that the story begins to change for Saul. Now, in the case of Schindler, I'm not sure what exactly caused him to change his ways. But when it comes to Saul, we know without the shadow of a doubt that it was God that changed Saul's life. God shone a light around Saul, and it was God that spoke to him. And what I find very interesting is the fact, it's not even the fact that God showed a light and God spoke to him, but it was Saul's answer right away. Saul immediately responded, Who art thou, Lord? Even though he was persecuting those who served God, he still knew who it was when he spoke to him. And when God answered and said, I am Jesus, Saul simply asked, What do you want me to do? It took one experience with Jesus to call Saul to totally change his character from that of one who kills and imprisons the church to being willing to be a servant for God. It only took one touch from Jesus to cause him to have a life-changing experience. Because when we next see Saul, he has traveled to Damascus to meet Ananias. The Lord had already arranged for Ananias to meet Saul and to lay his hands on Saul that he might receive his sight once again. But it is here that Saul's reputation has gotten the better of him. For we read in verses 13 and 14 that Ananias doesn't want to go because he's heard of who Saul is. The scripture says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Ananias knew that Saul was a bad dude and that he had the authority to arrest anyone calling upon the name of the Lord. He was scared of Saul simply because he had heard of Saul's reputation. But God told Ananias to go because Saul was chosen by him. So Ananias did what the Lord asked. He met Saul, and Saul received his sight again and was baptized. And it is in verse 20 that we begin to see the true change that has happened to Saul. We find him straight away preaching about Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But as like I said before, Saul's reputation preceded him to Damascus. The people that heard Saul preaching were amazed. They said to one another, Isn't this the same man that caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Isn't he the same one who, who has come here to arrest all those who follow Jesus and take them in chains to the chief priests? You can imagine that the people were a little confused and more than a little concerned about this. I'm sure there were some that just couldn't believe that Saul had changed because he was known for killing and arresting the followers of Jesus. His reputation said that he was a dangerous man. They may have thought this was a trap of some sort, that Saul was baiting them to step out as followers in order to arrest them. I can imagine Saul telling the people, yes, I was the man that killed the Jews. Yes, I was the man that imprisoned you. 
I don't deny that I dragged you from your homes in chains to throw you in prison. But can I tell you about something amazing that happened to me? Something that happened when I was on my way here to Damascus. There was a great light that shone from the heavens, and God himself spoke to me. Jesus has changed my life. And it is that has caused me to see that I was wrong, that I had it all backwards from the beginning. I know what the truth is. It is here that Saul was beginning to change his reputation from the man that persecuted the Jews to one of the greatest preachers to ever live. And that is what I'd like to end on today, is that it only took one touch from God to truly change Saul's entire character. He was one thing and did, he was one thing and then did a complete 180 which is also what Schindler did. Both these men at one time stood for one thing, but they changed their ways and changed their lives, and we see them differently today. If Schindler hadn't changed he was, who he was, who would have saved those Jews? He probably won't, we probably wouldn't even know his name today if he hadn't changed. We would just, he, he would just be called another Nazi official. If Saul hadn't changed from being a persecutor to a follower, who knows how different the church today would be? But at least in Saul's case, it only took one touch from Jesus. Can I tell you that Jesus is here in this place today? He is here and he is calling some today. There are some here that may have never had a life-changing experience from Jesus, who have not allowed him to touch you in their life, but he is here today. Today is the day for you to allow Jesus to touch you. Don't wait for the perfect time. Don't put it off any longer. Today is the day that Jesus can change you and mold you into something better. He wants to use you. Yes, it may be hard and tough. Yes, you may have to suffer through some things. Yes, you may have to make some sacrifices. But the reward in the end is so much greater than the rewards that come here and now. Saul, who as we know, changed to so much that he became Paul, suffered more than almost anyone except Jesus. Paul endured more than most people could think possible, but he did it for the Lord. And God gave him the strength he needed every day to carry on. I wonder if we couldn't just take a little bit of time and pray and let God, to ask God to change us. If you haven't had a real life-changing experience, then right here and right now, God can change you in this place. Lord, I thank you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray that you would touch us in this house today, Lord. Lord, you administer to us and use us, Lord God. Change us, Lord Jesus, for the better, Lord Jesus. Help us to be willing, Lord, to change our reputation, Lord, and change who we are, Lord Jesus, to follow after you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus, Lord. Allow your anointing and your touch to reach out upon us, Lord, and change us on the inside out, Lord. Help us to be used by you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Change me in my life, Lord. Change the things that are holding me back, Lord, and help me to grow stronger in you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you.